Psalm 100, I'm reading from the NIV, so no matter which version you have, I'm sure we'll be able to follow it together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. Amen. And may God add his richest blessing to this, the reading of his word. I'll just put that here, just so I can get a bit of room here, that's all. thought that was a reader. There you go. Worship the Lord. It's a tremendous phrase, that worship. Worship the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here this morning? That's good. Give yourself a Mars bar. But why are you here? Why are you here this morning? What makes us come to church every Sunday, week after week? What is it that draws us as a people to come and worship God? Why are we not like the majority of British people who only come near a church for a wedding or for a funeral or maybe a christening or if you're hopefully will come at Christmas? But as you so rightly pointed out to me, you've gathered here this morning for the right reason. We come together as God's people that we may offer him our worship and our praise. And we gather together that God might come and meet us at our point of need. That's why we gather here. I, I believe church, and I don't want to follow it with anybody, I believe church is for God's people. I believe church was invented and made by God so that God's people could come together. Forget the outside world. Come together as his people that they might worship him and give him all the praise and all the glory. And you sang well this morning. And I'm glad the musicians did their homework and picked some songs that kind of fitted in. See, you're no bad after all, you know. Oh, my boy. Ah, well, here he goes. I blame his mother. But God's people, and I've got a big issue when God's, those who know God say they don't go anywhere to worship. I have a big problem with that because God's people are meant to come together to worship. It goes way, way back, and I don't want to give you the whole history of what we hear at 3 o'clock. In the time of Moses, the people of Israel came together in a tent to meet God. And since the very beginning of the church, way back at Pentecost, Christians have made a point of coming together on Sundays to experience the presence of God and to worship Him. This is James Garfield. Anybody know what number of president he was in the USA? Number 20. Well done. He was the 20th president of the United States after his inauguration in January of 1881. A highfalutin member of his administration came to see Garfield and insisted that he call a cabinet meeting for 10 a.m. that the following Sunday morning to address a matter that was very, very 
grave. President Garfield told the man that he had already something scheduled for that particular time. The cabinet member then proceeded to encourage the president to break his previous engagement, but Garfield refused. And the cabinet member finally said, well, could you at least tell me with whom you could have an engagement that is so important that it cannot be broken? And Garfield looked into the man's eyes, and this is what he said to him. My engagement is with the Lord to meet him at his house, at his table, at 10 a.m. tomorrow, and I'll be there. Does that not come up? Oh, I thought it was up. Good, did not it? I don't know if you get away with that these days. But it's amazing. A president of the United States who told people categorically who he loved and who he trusted. And on that Sunday morning, he would be there at the communion table. So you and I are here. But what are we here? And are you prepared for worship? Often as not, we are running about on Sunday mornings. I'm terrible for leaving the house late. I normally say to church secretaries if I'm back out preaching, look, I'll probably be there about 5 to 11. You know, that's just the way I am. And June gets me into trouble and I'm trying to find the map and where I am and I think I know where I'm going and I end up, I don't know where I'm going, but we get there eventually. But Sunday mornings, a pandemonium. Probably out of all the days of the week, we're running about daft. And sometimes I think we're so caught up in things that sometimes we come into God's house and maybe perhaps, I just say perhaps, we're not ready to meet the Lord. So let me ask you, are you clean before him? Do we come in the right frame of mind? Have the things of this world grown strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace? Have we forgotten about ourselves so we can concentrate on him and worship? Now, being honest, that's sometimes easier said than it is because we've all probably had busy weeks and hard schedules and there'll be things running about your head all the time. And yet we're meant to be here to concentrate on him and worship. And at the same time, by nature, we are self-centered individuals. However, in order to truly worship God and not just go through the motions, I believe you and I need to concentrate on him. Because there is the danger we can allow ourselves to let our minds run away or to drift or to get into a, a spiritual rut and simply we just go through the motions. You and I are meant to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. Can I ask you a question? Because you know me. I've probably got away with things. Did you praise God this morning before we got here? Did you thank him for who he is and for another opportunity to meet with God's people? Did you thank him for protecting you this week and that of your family? The other thing I would like to ask is this. What have you brought with you this morning? Apart from yourselves, and it's good to see you. 
What have you brought? People bring all things, all kinds of things to church. Some bring sweets and toys for the children who play, and that's great. And I sometimes wish, I wish I was sitting by that child. I love them sweets, especially if they're eating a Mars bar. I've even seen somebody sit at the back of a church with a Rubik's Cube. I've seen people texting. Well, maybe they weren't texting. Maybe they're reading the passage, but I'm not very sure. Some people actually bring Bibles, which I think is tremendous. But there is something we all bring to church as we gather to worship Him in this place. And maybe you came this morning with a contrite heart. Maybe you came this morning with a pure heart. Maybe you came this morning with a heart that is just bursting with gratitudes. Perhaps you came today with something that's happened that's got you all upset and uptight. Maybe you gather this morning because you have cares and your worries and you've brought this baggage with you. But whatever it is you've brought with you this morning to this worship service, let me remind you, in case you've forgotten, not that you would, but you never know. God is ready to minister to us and to help us and reassure us, not just for this Sunday, but every Sunday morning. And sometimes we just need that reassurance from God. We need that reassurance fine. And you and I come to meet God as we gather in his house. God ministers to us as he speaks with us after we have confessed our sin. He announces that our sins are forgiven through the death and, and resurrection of Jesus. And that burden should be able to disappear from our shoulders because Christ assures us time after time, if you confess, I forgive, let it go. And no matter what we do, God's love for us never changes. You and I come to meet God and he ministers to us through his word. We hear again the words of promise, of comfort, of reassurances. We hear the words of hope from God himself. And we are reminded that God has made a promise to us to always be close at hand in our time of need. He reminds us that his loving arms are always encircled around us, even at those times when we feel that God is far, far away. On this day, we gather together, hopefully, with a thankful heart to give thanks to God who provides. A little boy went to a, a, a birthday party. On his return, his mother said, Archie, did you thank the lady for the party? Well, I was going to, but a girl in front of me said to the lady, thank you, and the lady told her not to mention it. <laughs> so I didn't. And when it comes to thanking God, Surely you can't remain silent. When you know all the things he's done for you and what he's still to do, surely you can't not give him praise. Have you thought about the simplest things in life that we take for granted? You and I should be thankful for life. I'm thankful every morning I'm still breathing, so that's cause to give thanks for. Our health our family, our friends. We should even thank God for the nation where we live. Despite all its flaws, 
You and I should be thankful for clean water, electricity, food on the table. I hope I'm getting fed today. Clothes on our backs. And you and I should be thankful for your salvation. Your church family and the mercy that God showers upon us each and every day. There's just a wee list that we should be thanking God for. But like we actually, ah, didn't bother. What have you thanked God for lately? Psalm 100 gives us a specific direction as to what, what God would have us do. We'll try and go through that with you this morning. First of all, we have to shout to the Lord. Do you know, sometimes we go places, and I'm not being critical. You know, you ever been at a funeral and you feel you're the only Christian? You're the only person that knows the hymn. I've been in churches like that. I says, am I the only one that knows this song? And, I, you know, I'm not the bestest of singers. I told you that before. I used to sing in a band, and now I'm banned from singing. But that's what like it is. And yet we come to God's word, and God's word tells us, shout to the Lord. Shout for joy. All the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. And we'll come to these things with you. But in our passage, there's the seven things we'll look at very, very quickly. Hope your potatoes aren't burning. We shout to the Lord, we serve, we worship the Lord, we come before the Lord, we should know the Lord, we enter his gates with quotes, we should give thanks to God, and we should praise and bless his name. Depends on which version you've got, try to put them all together. They are all there for us. And they are all action verbs. I've got English O-level when it meant something. And O-level meant something in my day. Now you get, you get certificates for just turning up at school. Anyway, these are seven things that all of us can do. And there's not one there that nobody can't do. All of them are well within our ability as we see, as we go through this psalm. Okay, shout for joy. There you go, that's you. That's the choir for Cotton. Oh, brilliant. What I'm going to say is don't just whisper or mumble, but shout. Let the whole world know that the sovereign Lord of God, of all creation, is with us. He loves us. He's on our side. We are God's. If that doesn't give us cause to make a joyful noise, then I don't know what does. Sometimes we're not as happy in the Christian life because of situations. And when we focus on what God has done for us, needless or irrespective of the circumstance, you should still be able to bring joy and happiness and shouting to God, not shouting at God. Although, if you want to do that, I think you can. I've had a few words with him, let me tell you. And maybe I shouted. And when you and I focus on what God has done for us, it should bring joy and happiness. God has assured us of his immeasurable riches, of his kindness towards us. Our emotions, it can lead us, but when we focus on what God's done for us, we should follow with shouting. Somebody said this, our happy God should be worshipped by happy people. Genuine praise 
is always vocal. It's visible. And it's public. So God gets no glory when you hold it all in. Is he, is he not a God to be worshipped? Yes, Jim. Should we be singing his praises? Yes, Jim. So if they're not doing that, then he misses out. God gets no glory when we hold it in. So shout for joy. That's the first step. The second step is this. Worship the Lord with gladness. Oh, I've got caught in this morning, man. Oh, happy day. That fixed my joys. And that's sometimes what it's like. So worship the God with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Joyful thanks to God and worship. And surely we come with gladness in our heart. We're told to shout for joy. We are called to serve with joy. Serve him with gladness. We are urged to come before him with joyful songs. And I want to suggest to you, but you're good at this, but I'm just reminding you, be filled with an enthusiastic, overflowing joy. You know, be excited about coming to worship. Be encouraged to sing with all your heart. Even if, like me, you sing the wrong notes, or maybe the right notes in the wrong order, whatever it is you do. But come enthusiastically. Be thrilled at the prospect of coming to worship to meet God who is so keen to minister to us and our needs. You worship him first and then he'll hit you. Worship him first, then let him speak to you. That's what we do in church, isn't it? You sing four or five hymns and then we come and preach. I'm not saying that's the right order. Good enough for me. The word gladness, when you check it all out, means to serve with laughter. I know people laugh at my singing, but I don't, that doesn't mean that way. What I'm saying is we come in that joyfulness. Because he is a gracious Lord, he deserves to be served with joy. And the psalmist is saying the invitation is to worship with a cheery, gladsome call. Come before his presence with swing it, singing. I'm going to say swinging. Swing if you want. With singing, not weeping and wailing. But sing joyfully. I think praise bands are worth a salt on earth, let me tell you. See if they get it wrong. Congregations go, oh, what was all that about? You know? So you did a great job. Five out of ten. Anyway. So when you come into God's house this morning, and you get rid of all these things that was burst in your head, and you come in and you sat down and you stood up, did you sing joyfully? Because your heart is bursting. Did you come with gladness? You and I approached him with singing. Do you know that? When you gathered here this morning and we came together and we started singing, we approached him with singing. Many say that that is why we begin our church services with music, thankfully. We collectively come into the presence of God when we lift our voice and praise and I think we serve a God who desires our company and invites us to do so preferably not all the time but preferably joyfully with thanksgiving in our hearts and a song 
on our lips. Do you think if you can't sing songs to God, there's something the matter? Are you and I walking with God as we should if there's not a song on our lips? I was preaching at a place not so long ago and I kind of got a topic and it was not on this theme but something similar and I said to him, you know, if, you've got an, if I've got an argument, say with Duncan, because he's in the front row, I'm sure you could follow up with him any time, but if Duncan's here and I follow up with Duncan and I'm going to have a pop at him, if I go to see him and start singing, oh, happy day, there's no way I can go to him. And if you're following out with somebody, and you might have good reason, see, before you go see that person, sing a joyful song. And you'll probably change your attitude. Rather than warmly grabbing them by the throat, <laughs> you'll put your arm around them and say, need a word with you, brother. <laughs> or, or words like that. Yeah, but you come with worship. But sometimes we don't, and instead of focusing on what God has done for us, our attention is wrapped up in the here and now, and is wrapped up in ourselves. And worship is not based on who you are, or what you have, or how good a singer you are. It is based on who God is and what God has done. And that's why we come and worship him with gladness. Give him the best that you have. He's made us. Worship means that we regard someone so highly for what the person has done for us that we're full with joy and can only speak that person's praise and give thanks. And it's the same for God. Our hearts should be so filled with the wonder of who he is and what he has done that we allow this praise to burst forth from our innermost being. Worship is also a time when God ministers to us, when God brings you into an intimate relationship with him through his word. If you and I don't come to church, you miss out on the blessings. And just for a prime example, when Jesus rose from the dead, Thomas was elsewhere, the disciples were all there, Thomas missed out. That's just an example. But we come together a time when God ministers, when he strengthens you individually, when he can strengthen you as a fellowship, a time when you can serve others, especially through your prayers, a time when you can respond with thanks and joy. And sometimes it's also serving others in the name of Christ. To serve the Lord with gladness, to be a cheerful giver, lending a helping hand to those who need it, showing mercy to those who are struggling. We can practice good things, random acts of kindness wherever you go, not out of obligation or of duty, but we do it because we love God. The verse goes on to say, verse 3, Know that the Lord is God. Funny how he writes that, isn't it? You think you would know that. But the psalmist, I better tell the people, I better remind the people. You need to know that the Lord is God. You, you and I here this morning need to know that it was God who made us and that we are his. We are his people. We're part of his flock. We ought to know whom we worship and why. We must acknowledge the fact that God is God and we aren't. We are to know that he and he alone is God. And you and I are told to know that the Lord is God. 
the greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. Do you know him? And because you know him, you can sing to him of all the praises that he's worthy of. You and I need to make the right distinctions and acknowledge God as the God of your life. That's why David is saying that. The Lord is God. God not only invites us to come to himself, but he invites us to know him. Know that the self-existent eternal God is the King of kings. Know that he's the Lord of lords. Know that he made us. Know that we are his Lord. Know that he owns us. He's our creator. And you and I must acknowledge that he is our father and our creator. God took clay and formed us by his power. Never mind the big bang theories. You and I are here by the very power of God. And without him, you and I are nothing. And we have nothing. But in God, we have everything we need and will ever need. And you and I need to remember that God saved you for a purpose. And that God has a plan for every one of us. He made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. And the psalmist moved from the universal call to praise to the focus of those who truly praise God, his sheep. He tells at the beginning, the whole universe will praise him. And then he reminds us that we are his. Sheep of his pasture indicates God's possessions, protections, and provisions for us. Oh, that's a good alliteration there. It brings before us the image of a shepherd watching over us, protecting and guiding. And he even guides us when the going gets tough. And he's even there for us when you lose your way. He made us what we are, a people to himself and the flock whom he feeds. And if you don't come to God's house to hear from his word, you're not fed. Bless you. And you and I, be, does, that not take, does that not take your breath away? <laughs> that you and I belong to him. Just as a shepherd looks after the welfare of his, so our Lord looks after us with infinite care. He's a God who ministers to us. That message is spoken to us again by God through his word, through his worship. No matter what's happening in our daily lives, we are reminded that my God is real. His power to help is real. And you and I are his people. His love for us never Ends, and it's all a question of ownership. You are his. Some men live as if they made themselves. I'm a, you know, I'm a self-made man. I don't know what that means. Probably legends in their own minds, but they think there's something they're not. And they adore themselves. But Christians recognize the origin of their being, their well-being, and that is God. We are the sole right and property 
of the Almighty. You know, Andrea comes from farming stock. She's probably told you, and her dad used to keep sheep. I don't know if she he still does, but we were over there. It's just amazing. He turns up and all the sheep come to him. And he knows them all. Because one sheep looks the same to me as another. But he just knows them all, and they all come to him. And the same way, sheep gather around their shepherd, and may look to him. The other thing about sheep is that they need a shepherd. And we know all these, I'm sure, there's a whole big sermon we could do on that, but we're not doing that this morning. Verse 3 becomes reality of our life because we know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, not ourselves. Rejoice over our relationship with God. We are his people. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks to him or bless his name. Amazing verse. I will enter his gates. What with? With thanksgiving in my heart. The gates represented, if you know your history, the gates represented the gates of the city as people came from all over to the Thanksgiving celebrations. And you can read all about that in Leviticus chapter 7. Thanksgiving Day is in America, but it was a long Thanksgiving Day before they invented it, way back in the Old Testament days. One of the Jewish feasts was that of Thanksgiving. And people would come to the city from the outer villages and enter Jerusalem through the gates. They were to enter the gates with thanksgiving. Then they would gather in the courts of the temple and begin their praise in their praise. What better subject for our thoughts in God's house than the Lord of the house? You come to his house, to the Lord of this house, to worship him. And as you enter his gates and his courts, Make sure you bring the right sacrifice. It isn't your money, although the treasurer's happy with that. Although you should bring your tithes and offering. It isn't your attendance, although you should be at church at every possible opportunity. We are told to bring the sacrifice. No, the sacrifices. Praise and thanksgiving. And if you're not praising and thanking the Lord, what do you bring? God's house is the place to be through his gates with thanksgiving, and in his courts with praise. So you know I should be thankful to him, so let the praise in your heart as well as on your tongue, and let it be all for him to whom it all belongs. He has blessed us, so bless him in the tongue. Be thankful. You know, there are countless reasons to be thankful we often take for granted such as good health. We've been through all that. The love and support of friends and family. A safe community in which to live. The freedom to work and to worship so far as we please. And the psalmist encourages us to be mindful of all God's gifts, great and small, and to be thankful for them. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. What are you most thankful for? Tell them. Be thankful you're alive. I've not touched that earlier. Be thankful for the air you breathe. Be thankful for the gift of love. 
more than anything else, be thankful for a God who loves you. Imagine God loving us, warts and all. And he proved that love for us when he offered himself as a sacrifice. Verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the generations. I want to say more this evening about the goodness of God, but let me finish this passage. This sums up his character and contains a mass of reasons for praise. He is good, he is gracious, he's kind, he's bountiful, he's loving. God is love, God is good, God is worthy of our thanks and praise because he is good to us in so many ways. God is good because he's provided the answer to sin and death through his son, Jesus. God is good, he has made us, he cares for us, he provides for us, he has given us family, friends and fellow members. We know all these things. He's given us the human strength and support in both good and bad times. And I could go on. God is good. He never changes. God can never be bad. God is good. And he will always be good. And he blesses us. In church, we sing about God's goodness. God is so good, God is so good, God is so good to me. As parents, you probably taught your children about God's goodness, and the first thing you would do <laughs> was to teach them their first blessing at a meal. This is, might not be the one you learned. God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for the food. And may, amen. Says it all. Let me ask a question. If I were to ask you this morning, is God good? You would all say, good. But is it possible to say that God is good even in the midst of tragedy and disappointment? Of course. As I said, he doesn't change. God is faithful and good as well. His love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations. This means that God continues to share himself with us. He continues to satisfy your needs. He doesn't change course in midstream. Oh, I loved her today, but I'm not going to love her tomorrow. Where am I? I don't even know where I am up there. God is good. His goodness is towards all mankind. If you see God as good with enduring love and endless faithfulness, thanksgiving will flow from your heart. You'll come into church every Sunday full of joys. Say, come on, musicians, get his songs going so I can shout for joy. Rejoice for the Lord is good. Therefore, shout for joy. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Rejoice, for the Lord is good. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Rejoice, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures. So rejoice. The one who never sinned even once was the only one who could take the punishment for our sins. God is good. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. 
His faithfulness continues through all generation. And the last slide I've got up there. Rejoice, we're part of God's family. We have the faith. Shout with joy. Serve with joy. Sing with joy. Get to know him better. Don't forget to praise and bless him and say thank you. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Amen.